have done equity work and stuff like that. And a lot of times it's like, this is not what you want to hear, but it's the truth, right? Like, and what the history books teach us is not always what we've learned. And that's hard to unlearn. Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Miigwech for joining us today. Native Lights is, at its core, a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Uh, every week we have wonderful conversations with a lot of great guests. They have all these different backgrounds, policymakers, healers, artists, you name it. We talk to them. And uh, it all kind of centers around a big point of purpose in our lives. And I just can't wait to continue that today. How are you doing, Leah? Doing well, thank you. How are you? Very good, very good. Um, are you still sleeping outside? It's getting cold out there. Oh my gosh, I tried the other night. <laughs> I almost made it. <laughs> we won't talk about it that that much, but yeah, a little bit. I'm going to try again. Um, I don't know when. <laughs> very nice. Anything new with you? Uh, you know, not too much. I was able to... Um, go out to a weekend bachelor party and that was fun just meeting up with some of the bros as we call them and being very safe during the pandemic but you know it's it was nice to have some fun so um just uh, got back from that and now I'm ready to get on the grind again you know lucky you <laughs> no <laughs> no that's good yeah uh, do it up i also know that you guys you and your significant other may have started a project. Yes, we started a podcast and it is now finally out in the world, Wisdom Continuum. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we're just kind of getting rolling here. Um, but we've already talked to a lot of great people and we're just in production mode and slowly rolling out some episodes that are coming out every other week. But yeah, we're everywhere. So nice. um, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> Must be tough uh, scheduling with that with your. <laughs> I'm just considering he lives in the same house. No, yeah. I just had to, I just tell him when. <laughs> We're going to talk to somebody. No, but people are just so interesting. And I think I was actually really inspired by Native Lights because uh, everyone, you know, sure. a lot of times we talk to folks and, you know, they're doing such cool things, but also people who are trying to shift perspective in systems. So, you know, how do we look at academia? Mm. How do we look at economics, law, uh, the environment, and all of these systems uh, through an indigenous lens? Uh, so, like, how can they be better? So, like, the, the tagline for Wisdom Continuum is a podcast celebrating Native knowledge for a thoughtful, healthier, more just future. So, I think there's something in it for everybody. Well, these are higher level conversations, though. Just FYI, it's not going to... Go over the definition of sovereignty. It's going to uh, presume that you've like are caught up with the lingo, mm -hmm. but you know we're hoping to like really expand our conversations to around North America. Um, get some good diverse yeah. voices in there from Indigenous folks because uh, you know we all have different stuff to talk about. So sweet. And your co-host, yeah, uh, Dan Daniel. Was our what our first Native Lights radio show? That's guest. right. For the uh, a year ago, I guess it would be now. <laughs> yeah, because we've been doing this version. And I told him that 
at that point, I'm like, your voice is, you got something going on. You can, uh, you can do, you can do radio. You can do a podcast. <laughs> you can do all that stuff. He'll be so proud to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he, he actually takes time to think about what he's saying. Unlike yours truly. <laughs> he likes to fine. be prepared. I like it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so for today, our guest has uh, recently been spotlighted for her reconciliation work with a Minnesota company that actually recently publicly apologized for profiting off of Native-inspired designs for decades. We'll certainly talk a bit about that, but like all our guests, of course, there's a lot more going on in her, in her life. She's doing a bunch of work in the art world. She says her main focus is creating current socially relevant and culturally significant artistry that intersects Anishinaabe values, history, and life ways. So we're definitely mm -hmm. excited to speak with her today. Today we're talking to Adrian Benjamin. Adrian Benjamin is a Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe citizen who is a community activist and a multifaceted artist, including being a master jingle dressmaker. And here she is. Hey. Howdy. Bonjour. Honey. <laughs> How's it going? It is going great. How about yourself? Good. Nice to meet you. I'm Leah. You're welcome. Hello. <laughs> and I'm Cole. I'm the guy who bothered you on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice to see you. Could you please introduce yourself and, you know, where you're joining us from? I'm Adrian Benjamin Indigu. My name is Adrian, and I am from the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe. But hail from the Chiminasing branch of the tribe. <laughs> the branch, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense to us. Yeah. <laughs> Our family's from Ajamuk. <laughs> yep. Can't just say D2 because that's. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you doing and your family doing during the, you know, the pandemic and all that? Wow, that's an interesting question. So actually just this week uh, end, we popped our first little first non-COVID cold, which feels weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that happened? Yeah, yeah that's the thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I and it actually reminded me that this time last year, we actually had it before the vaccines came around and it was horrible. Uh -huh. So having a little head cold, I don't think ever again I will complain after having actual COVID. <laughs> so sure. How sick did you get with it? Uh so it's really weird, right? I have two girls. One is uh now 12, but she was 11 and then the other was 17. My 17 year old, she has special needs. She ended up in the hospital actually for uh oh. three, four days. I was pretty sick, but not nearly like that. I didn't get any of the uh lung issue or anything like that. And then my younger daughter was completely asymptomatic. So variety <laughs> oh my goodness yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I'm glad you guys recovered from that for sure yeah. yeah very I was like a little nervous about the vaccines just like anyone else but after that experience I was like never again because I I actually had a lot of the long COVID stuff so I was like no uh, thank you so vaccinated <laughs> 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 it up yeah <laughs> So, Adrian, there's so much uh, online about your work, a lot of great articles, um, even your website and bio page, and then, um, like I said, articles and all of that that's, that's all over the place. It's just so wonderful to see. 
uh, all the work that you're doing. So I know we have a limited time, but I do want to make sure we, you know, talk about, you know, a, a few of those things like uh, your work with Minnetonka moccasins uh, and your artistry and how you got into it and, and all of that. Yeah, Minnetonka is the hot topic right now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> And a few things with that. We can start there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, great. So um, I think there's a lot of good stuff to talk about there that like leads into artistry and um, all of yeah. that stuff. So uh, yeah, why don't you tell us a bit about your work with Minnetonka Moccasin? Sure. So um, I got into it actually through uh, a community friend an elder from the Minneapolis area that I was actually working with um, on a totally different project. And she had been having a couple meetings with the Millers, uh, Jory, Jory Miller Sharer, I should say. She's, she's, she's a hyphen. Um, and, <laughs> and her dad, who's, so she's president. He's the CEO. This person had been having meetings with them and they were kind of starting to think about like the direction that they wanted to go. They were ready to move forward with a lot of the, you know, reconciliation stuff or just how, where, where do we go? Like what, you know, this is like, we feel like it's the time. We just don't know what to do exactly. So they were kind of doing a lot of different, I don't want to say interviewing, but you know, they were talking to folks and trying to see like, Hey, what's our best action step. And so um, this person actually reached out to me and she was like, that didn't name them immediately. She was like, Hey, would you be interested in this meeting? Um, this company has been appropriating for years. And actually a few others popped into my mind before I thought of this, oh. <laughs> of this one. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, uh, yeah, that sounds cool. You know, like at first I was like, I, you know, I think everybody gets the knee jerk of it. It's just like, yeah, yeah. Okay. But like, is it really going to be this thing? Like nobody wants to be like this token, you know, we know how it is. Yes. And so I was like, yeah, I'll hear it. You know, like I'm interested. I want to see what, what a company would say, right? Like what are they even bringing to the table? So we rearranged or we arranged that meeting and it was really interesting right away. I really got the sense that they had done their homework and that they were really genuine. That was really apparent, like off of the first few meetings with them. And we just kind of vibed and I, you know, got to really like, go hard and say my piece to them and what I thought about the situation and what I think about appropriation and how, how it affects communities, like on really deep, like, you know, deeper levels. Cause I think people are just like, Oh, it just takes from artists, but it's like so much more than that. You know, I, I got into it on a different podcast with Don Eubanks talking about like, you know, there were families that sat on the side of 169 selling their goods for a long time because people were like, romanticizing, you know, native artistry. We had this talk on there where it's like, imagine you're doing that, selling these like handmade goods. And then, you know, 75 years ago, because they actually just celebrated their 75th year, a Minnetonka truck comes backing up that looks like all of your stuff. So what did that do? You know, so we kind of had like really just deep discussions about it and they were, you know, open and they kind of had this is something that they'd been thinking about for a while and that they had been privately really um, donating a lot towards indigenous led organizations, but had never wanted, like weren't sure if they wanted to do it publicly, right? Like not in the sense that they didn't want to do, you know, acknowledgement and apology or anything like that, but they were just like, 
we want to do this because it's the right thing. Is it the right thing to talk about it? Like, how do you, you know, so there was a lot and I wasn't sure because I kind of went hard and I remember just giving it so straight, you know, because I do equity, I've done equity work and stuff like that. And a lot of times it's like, this is not what you want to hear, but it's the truth, right? Like, and you know, what the history books teach us is not always what we've learned and that's hard to unlearn. And so I was like, well, I don't know how that went. I think we'll wait and see. And I was surprised. Like I got the phone call and they're like, yeah, we really want to work with you in some city. And I was like, wow, okay. Actually, uh, David's line was like, you were really able to give us like the hard stuff with the smile on your face. And I was like, all right, I like that. So I was like, when I'm still one of my favorite compliments over time, (laughs) the way that I'm able to convey equity and talk like that. So um, yeah, so that was the start of it, getting to know them on that capacity. Yeah. And so having that hard, the hard truths with a smile on your face, right? I, I feel like that, that is so necessary instead of just putting up a wall and being like, you know what? You did something wrong. I'm over it. Like there's nothing for it. Like there's no future for you. <laughs> yeah. No. And that's, and that's, instead that's taking out there. the other path. Yeah. yeah. That's out there. And I, you know, the, the mentor that, that uh, connected me with them said that that was kind of what she had come up against a couple of times that she had talked to folks Hey, would you be interested? And they're like, no, you know, just done, you know. And I, I, I get that too. But it's like the work that I've done, you know, with with public schools and in native border towns. Just lead, you know, like I. That's I feel like if anyone's going to educate other people about us, it better be us and somebody that knows what they're talking about. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like taking on that role and being like, yeah, this is worthy and you know, these folks are willing to recognize their wrongs and want to do better. Like, who am I to judge that? You know, I can help it along and I can be as mad as I want to about what they've done. But, you know, ultimately everybody kind of deserves some forgiveness after a while. And and, they, and it, that's the other part of this whole thing too, is like, they're now by doing this publicly, having the opportunity to approve it, you know, that they are sorry and that they're going to make the difference, you know? Yeah, and it sounds like there's multiple ways that they're uh, making amends, I suppose, in their, you know, acknowledgments and donating. And what what other ways are they making amends, so to speak? Yeah, so it's exciting. This is the exciting part. Um, So (laughs) I get to be the first person, which I don't know how that looks, or I was kind of like, I don't know what, because, you know, they were like, well, we want to like shine light. And, and that was kind of part of our plan. Once, once I started working with them, we kind of laid out like, what does this look like? Like what, what's the direction that we want to go in to do this right? Like how do they, you know, make the best impression in the community? Like how do they even begin to gain any kind of trust? Um, anything, you know, why are people going to want to work with them? What is it? What are we, what are we going to do? That's going to help any of that. So, you know, we started to talk about it and, at first, like a lot of different things kind of were like jumbling, jumping to the top. But then after a couple of meetings, like we actually kind of had a rough meeting, one meeting where I was just like, I don't know, like just some, some wordage and some other things kind of came up where I was like, 
you know, unintentionally. And anybody who does equity work, you know, like you're like, this is the systematic stuff we hear, you know, whatever. And I kind of was like, it it ticked me a little bit, right? But but they were like, once I let them know after that one meeting, they were just like, oh my, like we, we didn't realize, like real quick to, you know, real like that's one thing about them is that they've been just like super you know if when you talk about allyship or anything like that like they are very open to hear it every single person that we've (laughs) we've talked to has been just like gives it to them right like that's I feel like it's like the surface thing that cannot go any further even if it's just like you were to meet them or something you'd they'd let you have your 20 minutes to just (laughs) be on your soapbox about how you feel about (laughs) appropriation Um, but anyways, getting past that with other people, um, really had to be the first thing. So that apology obviously was number one importance, like that we had to do. And then it was like, how are we going to, um, or them move forward as a company to, and me helping them to, you know, what amends could they make? Right. Cause I think I read a lot of, some, I'd get some of the, <laughs> comments when the article got released and like star and like people are upset and they're like oh well, shut them down or we should get paid you know it's all this like i like colonized mindset about you know i mean i even like per cap mindset you know it's like we should all get something for this and it's like they're one company they're willing like how what what is the most that they could do while still like sustaining themselves or you know what i mean like being on real about it So it got really exciting. So we started, I started to think about like, well, I think having a shoe or shoes or other product lines developed by, you know, specifically Minnesota artists, right? Because that's where they do their business. And really, um, you know, there's some shoes, like I got to go to their their, uh, warehouse and it was really interesting because it was like this question of like, is this appropriative or not? Like they would show me these (laughs) like fabric you know choices and stuff and I'm mm-hmm. like it is you know what I mean like or whatever like, if it you was, have to ask yeah yeah because well, some of them were like borderline you know or like mm-hmm. fringe concho and you know we had I had just had that discussion with them this morning because I was telling Jory I was like a lot of those fringy things are coming up you know because I suppose you know algorithms whatever in my thing and I'm like you got to get rid of that concho with the fake feather thing like done they're like it's done that they're we're phasing it out I'm embarrassed that it's like in our advertising right now still (laughs) so we just had that conversation today but um yeah just looking at like what does a quote Minnetonka moccasin look like by someone whose language moccasin comes from right like what does that look like and so I've introduced them to probably four or five artists at this point that are all in some different way working um, with them and uh, either in graphic design, looking at future uh, like fabric design to do their shoe uh, lines to even redesign shoes. And then some just, they want to get into like more apparel. And then some folks, it's it's like, how do they spotlight something that somebody's already doing? Right. And so I've, I've been in this like mode where it's just stumbled upon it by liking other people's actually and got into beating the edging of hats. And so they were like, let's, can you, would you do like 30 hats for us and like a, you know, three different designs and we'll see, like, we'll put them on our site and like push you like that. And I was like, 
okay. You know, like it was like scary, but like, yeah. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to be the first person that they feature on their website <laughs> coming up in December. So I've been beating like crazy trying to meet that. <laughs> wow. But yeah, it's, it's, so it's great. exciting. And, and, you know, and it's like ways like that, like I didn't expect that. And I guess, you know, obviously my position is paid. That was one thing right up front, even just my me- first meetings with them. And even just, you know, I laid my price out for my hats and they've taken care of like, you know, professional photography, the, you know, they're, they're all excited about doing these little dust bags for the hats, like extras that I'm not paying for, you know what I mean? So it's like, they're really about it. Like they're not trying to, you know, make any profit off it, but it makes me scared. Cause I'm like this, this old res chick from aisle, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> do some hat launch or whatever on some major company's website, which seems weird. It has already been super weird. Just because I remember when, like when the apology and that whole piece and the announcement of my position with them, like launched, like I think footwear news and the star tribune had picked it up. We were in talks with the PR agents and they were like, Oh, that's exciting. We just were, we were like most excited for like the Minneapolis indigenous community to like get that news and to hear about it and to talk about it. And then all of a sudden, like that weekend, I get the call from like, Hey, you want to be on NPR with Lulu and whatever. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was crazy. So it was pretty cool. You know, it was like this, we didn't see it being that big. And what made it really cool was like in the after effects of it, we were kind of like, okay, well that happened. Like, obviously we have so much more that we want to do. We want to like work with, with tribal youth and start working with like, um, you know, job opportunities, all these different avenues that we have planned to go back to the original question. And so it's kind of like the, all the other plus of it was that it, that, that news was so big that it got that conversation really wide and on a, on the table, you know? So that was really cool and unintended. <laughs> well, and what I really love about it is that it can be an example of a company getting it perhaps as right as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing is perfect, but like going about it in a way that's like authentic and like, I just, we just really want to accomplish something um, in an authentic, respectful manner. And then, you know, with all the media coverage, it helps other organizations then reflect on their own work and being and and can see that it's possible to go a different way if they're being appropriative or similarly. Yeah. Very cool. And I think it drew the conversation like wider than that too, because it's like, you know, that's a conversation that we want to even go deeper on also. Mm-hmm. It's like, like what is appropriation? Because people have this idea of it, but nobody's really asked that question like deeper to to the people who've been appropriated, right? So it's like, yeah, it's exciting to think about that because, you know, I had someone ask me about like ribbon skirts and per our teachings at Mille Lacs, right? Is that okay if non-Indigenous folks wear them? And I was like, I've never really heard too many teachings about the ribbon skirts in Mille Lacs, to be honest, you know? And like, so they were and they were their tribe were from they were like well we do and I was like I don't know you know to me I think if a family gifts something to somebody then what can you do you know so yeah it's just interesting this I think as indigenous artists and you know art becomes more mainstream like there's going to be those conversations of and it's going to be interesting Mm -hmm. so (laughs) I kind of wanted to 
to go back to uh, a certain point of what you were talking about uh, when you said like you had that knee jerk reaction uh you know you didn't want to be the token uh person and it, you took some time to you know think about the offer um and you felt nervousness about maybe what the community might think we've talked a, a bit about this concept on native lights and other uh, you know other things about like the crabs in the bucket the lateral violence just uh things like that um i was just curious about your your perspective on that, you know, how you overcame that, um, and if, if this is something that you've dealt with in the past. I love that question. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I have. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm glad that it's being addressed and talked about. And I think I've actually heard a couple episodes where, where it was talked about. Um, you know, I think what I, I thought deeply about it, I am definitely not immune to the evils of others and what they might say or think, or, you know what I mean? It's like, we all care and want that love from our community and to, to do the right thing. You know, I think I like what you said to do the best thing that you can or whatever about. And I think for me, it was, uh, I like Minnetonka encouraged me and was really, um, supportive of me writing the blog posts. And I said, if we can include that in the show notes, whatever, but like, I really got to talk about the whole journey, right? In this whole blog of, so I felt like if people are going to come for me in that way without knowing my work, knowing what I've done, knowing, you know, like I've, I've put in the community work and I had to like sit down with my, like in my own thoughts and my mentors and peers and stuff. And to get to this point to be like, you know, like I've, and not to say that I'm there or I feel like I am at this point, I deserve or owe, you know what I mean? But like, I've definitely <laughs> begged for money from the tribe, created these programs that I really felt like from my heart were meaningful and needed and not always heard, right? And things that I grew up with that I wished wished other kids never had to ever deal with, right? And so the things that I've worked for, worked through were always in that that heart space. And I was incredibly supported in, in my younger career, which sounds weird now because it's like, the 30s go fast um I mean yeah so <laughs> but I was incredibly supported by by a makeup button right like I, you're you're you yeah, you both are who we're related to mm-hmm. and he like just always man just had my back you know what I mean and so when I think about things like that I like I still have a phrase when I think about things and honestly like what would he say or do and like tell me in this situation you know and I just thought like I could just hear him be like, you know, F what anyone else says, kid, just do what you think is the best, you know, do what you think is right. Like, you know, like, well, yeah. Funny story. I got to say it in this part, it fits because you please, you both please. will enjoy this too. But <laughs> he, he uh, bought me these, these plates, like license plates. And uh, we were talking one time and about haters and crabs in the bucket and this fits with that right and so we were talking about it and I was just like god sometimes I just feel like you know the more you do the more people just hate you or try to you know say things or whatever you hear stuff around the way or you just feel really like you have to fight extra hard for things after a while blah 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 whatever and so we were talking about it one time and he was like I can't remember how this conversation came up but he was I was just like yeah, I said we pull up to the old dance. Yeah, I said you pull up to the old dance hall, and everybody just says, "Oh, ick. like, hey, there's a mix or whatever." Like, and so he was like, and then he goes, "Yeah, 
take the words right out of their mouth and let's get you license plate that say that. And I was like, shut up, whatever. We were joking about it, right? And then sure enough, like one day he calls me and he's like, hey, come meet me at the gas station up the road or something. And I don't know, only on the res, right? And he was able to order me plates that, you know, were licensed to me and it literally says oh ick on them, right? But the hilarious part of the story is like, it was O space I-C-K, like, what does that look like? Right. And I was like, I can't put that on my car. <laughs> so we were like, and he was like, what? It's good. It's good. Like it's, nobody's going to think that I was like, everybody's going to think whatever. So like, I never, I had them in my garage for the longest time and I never put them on. And then after he passed, I was like, I got to get them damn plates fixed. So I went and got OH face <laughs> it. And now they're on oh, my yeah. And so, yeah, story. like that's, that's my response to the, his response through him to the haters. Like, just take them all words right out of their mouth. And when they, when you pull up somewhere, they're going to say it anyway. So just do your thing, you know? And that's kind of like with this, when I wrote the blog post, I was like, yeah, like I know where it's coming from in my heart. And I know the things I've stepped forward for and the, and I, I've just, I don't know, I'm going to use the term because it's like indigenous the arrows I've taken in my back right like for for different things and this will be no different but you know change makers that's what we do and if you know I just for me like it, I said that earlier it's like if if it's not going to be us then who is it going to be and people are never going to learn or they're never going to get further and like I just feel like it's so important that like I said with cultural knowledge with you know, the way that I grew up and to have, you know, the outlooks that I've had and the travel and the experiences that I've had for this to be that person. Right. You know, and I feel like that's why it fell into my lap. You know, I'm really big believer in kind of things work out the way they're supposed to for you. And that's kind of what it was for me is like, people might not immediately that don't know me, know my heart, but you know, if you read up enough on me and for what I wrote in the blog post about how I felt about this and you know, the worry and concern that I did have for that, but then knowing, like, just staying true to to myself and my heart that this is the right thing. And it's, it feels good to me to help these, you know, folks through this because that's, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like what Leah said earlier, like every, you know, you're not always going to do exactly hundred percent the right thing all the time, but if we keep dismissing folks, we never gain traction anywhere. So it, it is important. So yeah, it's, roundabout story to get back to the original question is like yes to the crabs in a bucket and definitely that was my little fun poke at it <laughs> thanks oh, to your yeah. uncle you're listening to native lights where indigenous voices shine native lights is produced by minnesota native news and ampers with support from the minnesota arts and cultural heritage fund today we're speaking with adrian benjamin black spanned ojibwe citizen who is a multifaceted artist master jingle dress maker and activist uh, so adrian uh i, I feel like uh, you, you're talking about a mick and like a mentor along your way kind of leads us into this uh into my next question which was just like, how did you get to where you are now? What kind of led you on on your path? Um, you know, what inspired you to get into the arts and just all that stuff? Gosh. Big question, I know. It is. Uh, well, I just realized I had a tear from the last little story about him. But um, mm-hmm. honestly, like when I think about it, like I did not have 
the warmest childhood when, you know, like I, <laughs> I'll start here and saying it was really having those mentors. I think not having the greatest, like, you know, upbringing and, you know, we all deal with alcoholism and all these other things and had and have still other things like that as, you know, res kids, or we see it. Right. And that's, it's very prevalent. Um, you know, I had great grandparents. That's one, one thing for sure that kept me on a good path, like the best grandparents truly. And, um, I think beyond that, it was, it was like just little mentors or teachers that were there when you, when you needed it. And obviously, uh, a was, was one person who was incredibly valuable in my life, not only in giving me cultural teachings and pushing me down that road to understand ceremony language, all those different things, but just really like to, to love myself. Right. Like, and he was just, man, I swear. So awesome. Just had this, you know, really dope, you know, kind of father daughter relationship where he just, you know, if I had something going on, I remember one time even <laughs> as in my, my old missing out days, but I called him one time and I was like, just under the influence. Oh gosh, this was like so long ago. I can't believe we're talking about this on here, but, I, but he answered at like two in the morning. And I swear, I was like sitting there crying, just stupid, you know, on the phone. And he was just like, kid, you're going to be all right. You know, but it was stuff like that. Like, I feel like you needed, you need those people. And so, you know, to lead me on that path, I think it was just, a constant inspiration from people like that, that answered the phone for you, you know, or, or showed you like the better way or like gave you that love for you. And, um, you know, and then it went into, you know, I, I remember the first time I went into the, the native built rebuilders program and their thing was to create a zero budget program that you could bring back to your ba- like tribe and like legitimately do. Like, what does that look like? And build it out, like, think about it, all this stuff. And I did that. And I remember, like, that was the first program that was called Gany Gone as a Jig. And now the tribe's whole youth program is actually called that. But before it was all the kids who actually went through my program of Gany Gone as a Jig called themselves the OG Gany Gone as a Jig. But, like, uh, yeah, so that program started and it was like, you know, the like, I, I talk about that program because it was so important the four pillars of things that I didn't have when I was younger. And it was like a push for further education. It was language and um, knowledge about tribal governance and then leadership skills. Those were the four pillars of that program that I created. Cause it's like, what is it that I needed? Right. Like in those five, like, I feel like even still now, those four things aren't there necessarily for indigenous youth period. And they're probably the most important, you know, aside from, what we get from public schools or uh, whatever, but yeah. So it was just that. And I think that really led me to just continue to always want to create that or make that happen for younger kids and not to go through what I went through and to even be that mentor in person. You know, I get excited when I think about a lot of the kids that I've seen come up through the programs or, you know, getting to even be an elder someday to, to some of them kids and do the same things, you know what I mean? Cause it's like, we've all been there and wisdom is the, is, is a wonderful place to be rather than 2am crying on the oh, floor. Yeah. Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 
it was, it's that. And that's kind of, and it's those like concepts, my grandparents, you know, the, the Omeka buns in my life that have kept me grounded and, you know, those voices still ring in my head. Like I said, even when I thought about this, I thought about what would he say, you know, just do it and quit worrying about what everyone else thinks. Let them, let them have their OX when you pull up at the spot, whatever, you know? So it's like, just keeping that, keeping it alive through that, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's really for me, kind of what, what led me down a lot of those paths. Cause I was not an outgoing person. I still don't consider myself. I'm very introverted. And after I do a lot of things that I do, I'm just like, Oh God, I need like hours of quiet. So it's been a, it's been a road for me to get to do all these things and be all these things or whatever. Cause it's just not, it didn't ever come naturally for me, but it, it took that love and confidence and support from people. It's very important. I definitely feel you on the introvert side of things <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about pathways and all, all that stuff and one of your the paths you took is uh jingle dressmaking um and i was just curious if you could you know talk about that uh your connection with uh you know jingle dresses and and all that stuff yeah well we're gonna go down the make a bun road again so <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah it all leads back to- excellent <laughs> yeah so um Gosh, I made my first dress, tried, <laughs> I have a picture, but it's not great. I remember a couple of friends and I, they they had the idea of like taking apart these shirts just as a pattern, right? And like, hey, let's just do it off of that. And it, little did I think at that point it would ever turn into anything. But I kept kind of started sewing. I met Nicole Ray, actually, who runs Powell Fabrics and Designs. And she was very kind to take me under her wing and she was like Malax definitely needs somebody who like really knows how to sew and you're going to come to my house and you're going to learn how to make a jingle dress in a weekend and you're going to do it and blah 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 and I was just like yeah okay like I mean I was like very novice at this point so I was just like and it was kind of at a point in my life where I was like in between a lot of things and kind of probably in that same mode where I was calling to make (laughs) my one at 2 a.m honestly so it was not in a good place And I remember I went and it was like drill sergeant camp and just, this is how you're going to applicate. This is how you, how you put these jingles on. We're going to crunch all of them. Here's the diet Coke, stay up, do it. You know, all this stuff is like, oh my God. So that was like, who, who taught me the skill. But then from then, um, it grew as, as, as a Mikabun kind of started to, uh, also tell that story at different powwows and it became more uh, outwardly known about it. And he really is, I feel like the credit of why it even became a wider known thing that it, you know, cause other uh, reservations obviously have their story, but you know, Mikabun was like, that's all good and well, but we all know it really came from Malax, but <laughs> that's what he always mm-hmm. would say. It always makes me laugh. But as he started, you know, and then, and then the TPT special came up and the introvert I was like I don't he's gonna be in this with me kid I'm gonna have you talk and you're gonna talk about making them and blah 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 and I was just like I'm not no not want to be in the spotlight I'm okay you know and he's just insistent and like so I was like fine and then then I end up in it for some other scenes and I'm just like like you know but he was so excited about it and I think it like continued to be and he like bought some of my first horrible made dresses that I like had started to try after I was taught more by Nicole and 
had me make blankets for him for ceremony and, and just kept me going really like, like really he, you know, and he was just like, yep, I'll take like 10 of them and I need them done in two weeks. And I'm like, God, you know, so it was just like these, these just crazy things that these folks were just ceremonially asking me to do or wanted me to, to do right. Like Nicole, like three days, you're going to make a satin jingle dress with applique. That's hard. You know what I mean? Like now I can do like cotton and whatever in, in like a day, but at that point it was just seemed so impossible, but yeah. So it was just like, the TPT thing happened and it's so crazy because like on YouTube now I'm the thumbnail for that <sighs> video like whether it's on the band's page or the other and I'm just like oh, you yeah. know like I feel like all those little things are just such a makeabun like doings or you know what I mean just like forcing me to <laughs> be it or do it or whatever and I'm just like the last person that wanted to even be in it like I'll support you I'll show up I'll come you know whatever but yeah so then it just turned into that. And then, you know, after his passing, like I get calls now, like, Hey, can you come do this presentation? Can you talk about it? You know? And then after he did pass, I made those four color dresses that I donated to the museum. And, you know, I just feel like it's such a story that like the, the band or maybe like wider spaces, like haven't really, um, celebrated as much as they should. Right. Like if we're, we have that story, it should be, that should be like what we're known for. And it kind of, it has grown to that, but yeah. So that's my story with that. It started out very rocky and it was like, yeah, just not even really wanting to be involved into that in that movie all that much. And then all of a sudden, yeah, like I'm the thumbnail and people <laughs> yeah. still come up to me once in a while, or I get like this wave of Facebook ads, you know, and feel like, oh, I saw you in this, in that thing or whatever, like <laughs> that happens quite often. And yeah, it's like, I never thought of it as anything you know, more than just being supportive to him. And then now it became like kind of carrying on his torch in a way in that, in that rough regard and talking about it when it's called for time to, or, you know, yeah. It's like Insta expert because I was associated with the expert or something. I don't know, you know, but it's a cool thing. I definitely feel very honored to, to do it and proud that it happened that way because it's my little way of, you know, keeping his memory alive too. So isn't it just astounding to see his message and what the lessons he shared just spreading like yeah. so much through all of our work. Isn't that incredible? Absolutely. Oh. Amazing person. So happy. Go ahead, Cole. <laughs> I know I had oh, to wipe gonna... here before I'm with you. I was like, yeah. you realize I was kind of like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. Thank you for that. The, the stories that you've already short, uh, shared with us. Um, I was uh, curious about, you know, Paolo's had to take a pause um, and, you know, they, they came back uh, during the summer. How was it like for, for you to, you know, to, to go back into that and to hear the jingle dress and with, you know, Paolo's, making a, a comeback during the summer. Yeah, well, and interestingly enough, I will say that was when I feel like things picked up the most with with the pandemic because I think Brenda Child had just at the tail end, I want to say, debuted her 100 Years of the Jingle Dress. And so it became, and then it was, I think that January, March when the pandemic like went into full lockdown mode. So people were like, 
whoa, this pandemic actually came on the 100th anniversary of the last pandemic that brought the jingle dress to us. And so it kind of was like that started to be more, um, actually did a lot of work with the jingle dress at the start of the pandemic due to that, I think. So for me, like to, to watch that happen and then watch, you know, um, I think it was so amazing, just the power of technology to, to watch people still doing, you know, the social distance Powell thing and mm-hmm. still finding ways to do specials on video. And, you know, I think it's so cool. And I, I mean, people were doing virtual jingle dress dances for healing for the pandemic also, which was incredible. And I think it, it, it gave everyone and it still gives me or my main thought about it is like, it's, it's a really, and it has been, and still is, is like just this, space to think about what you don't want to take for granted and what we had, you know, that's what I feel about it. Even with, you know, my kids getting sick or just going through the the illness itself or whatever it is, it's like not taking any of that for granted, whether it be the powwows, the food, the, the people, all of that stuff. I think it was like a big wake up just across all different, you know, vibes and it's interesting so for me it was like the jingle dress was very centered to to a lot of that because I'd you know just done that and we had just talked about it the 100 years pandemic prior and then this happening so it was just like you know very it was very like in the spotlight for me and then of course when everybody was ready for for powwows I started getting you know a lot of folks asking me for orders or buying my stuff that I'd made during the pandemic so it was like yeah, the jingle dress is kind of just a central piece to to my pandemic life. And making for me was very healing too. And it always is everything I, I make is that I feel like it's kept me sane in a lot of moments. But yeah, it was something I really started to use to heal myself. And then it was, and I think about that too. And what when other people started to get out and how much people like just want much more people enjoyed the together time and community in community and just yeah being together with the jingle dress and people got new dresses and wanting to extra be out there and (laughs) yeah so it's central which is very interesting that was a good question i also wanted to quickly mention that i I love that your website is yo adrian that's cool thank you i'm actually working is that something you got a lot yeah so it's just got to the point where i'm like i'm adopting this it's gone we're going with it Everybody says it like it's the newest thing. It's kind of phasing out a little bit now as we age, I will say. But I just recently got one. I signed up with the the trainer at Malax actually, and he gave me a loud one. And I was like, "All right, it's still alive." <laughs> but I'm actually working with uh, with Lucy Shefty on my brand build, and that's what I'm actually going with. I'm sticking with the yo. <laughs> Is no, that is that another so, form of oish or oik, like calling it out before somebody else does? Maybe <laughs> or it's just yeah, it's like it was just there. You That's know what so, I mean? It's like so many people, it. even in like school and everything, it's yeah. like yeah, calling it out before other people right. do. It's like yes, we know the Adrian thing is there. We're gonna own it, okay? Like <laughs> that could be for people who don't know Rocky. That's all. Yep. Rocky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny, I will share this story too. This is stuff I got, just you can't make it up. So my youngest daughter, like, took me forever to find, you know, name books, whatever. I find one I like, right? And it's, then I, my youngest daughter's name is Talia, right? D- didn't know enough about the movie. And my mom's like, you know, the girl named Adrian is named Talia. Her real name is that. And I was like, oh my God, like, just 
okay. <laughs> then it was for sure. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah. Can't take that one back. That was, that was a real thing. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. It wasn't intentional either, but I guess maybe it was meant to be. Yeah. I think so. Awesome. So as we wrap up our conversation, we talked about your website a little bit, but where can people find your work? I am on Instagram mm-hmm. at yo Adrian B1983. I think I have I've had to change it a little bit because people have like, you know, the different um I'm actually gonna peek. It's terrible that I don't know what it is. It's it is yo Adrian B1983. Oh, okay. Facebook, I'm just Adrian Benjamin. Um, I'm also on Twitter. I think that one is yo Adrian 1983 without the B. But my website will be uh up you know, and running a lot better with the yo as the concept. I'm really excited about it. Uh, Lucy's awesome, creative native designer. Um, yeah. So yoadrianb.net is my website currently just has profile and, um, information to get a hold of me, but you can see my work mostly on Instagram if you're curious. Fantastic. And you were talking about the, the hats. Um, and I just wanted to just hear a little bit more about them. Like, could you just describe them just a little bit more that the ones that you're going to be you know, featured for the Minnetonka. Sure. Daisy Waquan. Um, so <laughs> I have found this wonderful hat design that I <laughs> have like bought. I, oh my gosh, there's so many in my closet. But with Minnetonka, I designed three different um, color palettes, I guess I will say. Uh, one is green, one is blue, and one is red. And they're all kind of inspired by my life on Mille Lacs. The blue is obviously the lake. The green is running around as a res kid playing in the <laughs> trees and everything. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's what I, I thought of this and went deep with it. And the red was like me being on the lake and seeing amazing sunsets that as I was fishing with my family growing up. And I did that a lot with my grandparents. So I wanted those three things. Um, so I take like, I think they're a little bit bigger than what you'd say a fedora, but a wide brim hat. And I bead the edging into, uh, these ones for Minnetonka are pretty simple, but they can get really intricate. Um, but yeah, probably about maybe a half inch space all the way around the edging of the hat looks really sweet. I use, um, size 10 and 11 seed beads and sometimes try cuts <laughs> for those artists out there. No. Mm. Um, yeah. And so it's, like they're fun they're stylish they're kind of in a different vibe if you're really out there and bold enough to to rock something like that I've, I've actually had some and some elders and some uh vets hit me up wanting wanting a couple so that's been really cool um yeah so I will be doing a, a 30 hat launch 10 of each of those colors uh in the second week of December I believe with and they'll be available on the Minnetonka website that's exciting yeah otherwise i do take custom orders but i'm not taking anything custom until january after i beat all of these up for <laughs> for this launch so <laughs> yeah same with jingle dresses i that's all on my website too i do custom orders for a lot of stuff but but i'm excited about this launch it'll be fun to see yeah that get out there to a bigger audience you know but i still feel like natives are going to be the people that grab them <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. I want to get my dad one. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one that I just made, I actually made for Tony Pike. I'm sure you guys know who he is and he's going to Pearl Harbor for a indigenous veterans event. And I put these like really cool um, brass star pieces on the front of the hat. So it kind of looks like oh. old school. I don't know. It just, it looks very army and it's like cool. military. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was exciting. He, cool. I, he grabbed it from me and he was just like, Oh my God, this is so awesome. It was, it's cool. That's what I love the art for is feeling people excitement and, you know, looking awesome in something you make. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for all the, the stories, the perspective today. I didn't think it was going to go there. I thought we were going to be real professional here, but I like it. it was fun. <laughs> this is native life. This is, That's what we try to know. do. Yeah. It was good good place to share those those good thoughts of that person so it's a good that's thing. great oh me great adrian very nice to formally meet you both yeah. on the podcast <laughs> but figured we'd cross paths eventually Absolutely. yeah and that's funny because you know we we do these and then eventually we'll see uh people at events and stuff like that and those are it's always fun yeah. so hopefully yeah. that comes your dad's soon. a hoot <laughs> exactly great Okay, cool. Well, have a great rest well, of the yeah. night. Thank you. You too. Gigawabman. All right. Gigawabman. Gigawabman. Thanks for having me. Wow, she's so great. And I'm so happy she had to share some, some stories about Uncle. Yeah, it's, it's always great to hear uh, about a Mick and, you know, all the dip, you know, everybody's got mm-hmm. a story, it seems. <laughs> and you know, just, and, and like you said, just it's amazing seeing the impact that he's had um, throughout the community. And 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 I'm more than sure that Adrian Benjamin will will have the same, you know, effect. You know, we're we're all just trying to to help the community. Um, but yeah, uh, just it keep people's memory alive, and it's 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 a beautiful thing. Uh, so thank you to Adrian Benjamin, a Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe citizen, who is a multifaceted artist, master jingle dressmaker, community activist, and a lot more. Absolutely. We're going to put up the Mille Lacs Band's jingle dress story in the show notes that Adrian Benjamin referenced a couple of times. It's really great. And then, of course, her blog post, Repairing Relations, on the Minnetonka Moccasins website. So I'm Leah Lem. I'm Cole Primo. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabaman. Gigawabaman. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. If you want to hear more Native folks talking about their gifts and finding their purpose, search for Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, wherever you find podcasts, and find all of Minnesota Native News' content at minnesotanativenews.org.